Welcome to the Article to Audio podcast, brought to you by the NAC team. NAC, N-A-C, stands for Negotiation and Conflict. NAC is made up of a team of scholars who are passionate about the teaching, research, and practice of negotiation and conflict management. We offer you this podcast series to highlight the work of global academic thought leaders who have a knack for negotiating and managing conflict. The the Article to Audio podcast interviews authors who have published research on negotiation and conflict management that advances theory and informs practice in the field. I'm Michael Gross. I teach in the Department of Management, College of Business at Colorado State University, and I am currently part of a grant and research team with Wendy Adair at the University of Waterloo and her colleagues working with indigenous employees to understand their experiences with relationships, communication, and conflict in the Canadian workplace. I am your host. Today, we have Jason Pierce. Jason Pierce is an assistant professor of management at the Bryan School of Business and Economics. Jason primarily conducts research on ethically charged responses to conflict, managerial problem solving, and scholarly practices. His dissertation addressed the first topic and led him to discover some patterns that led to the research that we are discussing today. We'll be discussing the article co-authored with Lee Thompson, explaining differences in men and women's use of unethical tactics in negotiation, published in Negotiation and Conflict Management Research, Volume 11, Issue 4, in 2018. This article that we're talking about today is the NCMR, Negotiation and Conflict Management Research, Article of the Year for 2019, for publication in 2018. Negotiation and Conflict Management Research, NCMR, is the official journal of the International Association for Conflict Management, and it serves as an outlet for scholars and practitioners who conduct research in negotiation and conflict management that advances theory and informs practice in the field. Welcome. Hello. How are you? Doing fine. How are you, Michael? Good. Thank you. I wanted to first uh, say congratulations for your award-winning article that you published in 2018, and you got the best uh, paper award in 2019 for an article published in 2018 from Negotiation and Conflict Management, Re- Management Research. So I wanted to say congratulations. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for saying that. And thank you for your part in the process because you were the editor. Well, thank you. Well, it was an excellent article. Um, I know that it's been a few years since you've written the article and that's our, the focus of our podcast, but I know you're going to talk about the uh, follow-up research that you've done since mm-hmm. publishing that article, since it's been a few years ago. And so um, all of it will be very fascinating, very interesting. So uh, to start us off, I wanted to ask you why men are more willing to use unethical tactics and negotiation than women. And can you share with our listeners a personal story that brought you to this work, this study that you're doing, this this, this research? Sure. Um, so I'll probably just start with the uh, the latter portion first and just say that um, when I decided uh, to do my Ph.D., I had observed that in negotiations, things can go in unexpected directions, let's say. And some of those experiences came. Notice that was particularly true in 
uh, with people from, from different cultural groups, I would say, than, than I'm from. And that, that's, I mean that broadly. So even working at Nortel Networks as an engineer, dealing with, say, salespeople uh, and salespeople from different parts of the U.S. or different parts of the world, I know that they had a different style of dealing with things and negotiating and resolving conflicts and so forth. And I also had spent some time in Chile in 2002 and Latin America. I noticed that between the countries I traveled to, people also had different styles and seemed to have different standards of what they thought was acceptable. So when I did my dissertation, I started looking at the broader question of how might culture, cultural differences factor into the ethical conduct that people engage in or unethical conduct that will engage in when they negotiate. So with that, that was a very broad question. I looked specifically at lying and bargaining context and they did two pretty large studies. And one noticed that, that men seem to lie quite a bit and significantly more often than women or, or more, more likely to, but not in the second study. And it wasn't until I started digging into the first findings until the more recent research you mentioned that we figured out why that that would that would play it out that way. Now it makes perfect sense. Um, so I'm the, the first question that you wanted to ask. You want me to answer? Yeah, yeah, are, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Why are men more willing to use unethical tactics in negotiation than women? Okay. And so what we found digging into it is that men and women are are different uh, in in some ways in that. Not not that every man is different than every woman, but in, in looking at the populations, they differ as populations. Now, most of us know that, say, for example, in size. Men tend to be bigger and uh, taller than women on average. Well, it turns out psychologically there are differences as well. And um, so what we found is that men are, on average, more competitive and less empathic than women are. And that's consistent with other research that said men are more agentic and less uh, communal than women, which means men are more, when it comes to choosing between self-interest and other interests, they're more likely to default to the self-interest, whereas women would be more likely or, or are on, more, on more occasions will, will defer to the other's interest instead of their own. And then, again, these are averages, not all men, not all women. Right. Well, this is really fascinating research that you're doing. And I wanted to ask, how does your study matter? How does this so, matter? So it matters um, in a couple ways. In, and it matters in, uh, in really getting at what's going on with ethical decision making. We know that some people uh, are more willing to do unethical things and make more unethical decisions than others. Others tend to be more moral. Um, and upright. So what, why as researchers, social scientists, behavioral scientists, we say, why is that happening? What explains that? What would predict those differences? And the gender differences have been looked at for quite a few decades and the thinking has shifted, but more, most recently said, well, on average, it seems like men are more willing to stretch ethical boundaries than women. However, we what um, our study matters because it the, the two studies two papers matter together because they explain what's being observed is that this pattern observed, uh, emerges sometimes but not always, and so 
we know that when it exists, it, it can be attributed in a great part to men being more competitive and less empathic. And, and now we also have some findings saying, well, that's, there's reasons why it doesn't always happen that way. And I forgot to mention, I should have mentioned earlier, when it comes to just looking at ethical behavior, the, this is a hugely cost, has a huge cost globally when we consider how people engage in negotiations. The Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, for example, estimates that the global cost for fraud, that is, uh, engaging in negotiations with a party and in some ways dishonest or deceptive, it now reaches into the trillions of dollars a year. That's a tremendous burden. And so um, any insights we can get into that of, of what the roots issues are and how we might address those issues would have, could be of great value. You received recognition for this article a few years ago, as I just mentioned, but you have extended this line of research with a subsequent article in the Journal of Business Ethics. And according to your research, in what context do men show a greater willingness to use unethical tactics than women? And why do men do it? And to just add to the stress, why do women use unethical tactics in negotiation? Okay, so the uh, I'm going to start again from the, the latter part of the question first and say that uh, to clarify, you know, men do show greater willingness than, than women often but not always. And in fact, men and women in some conditions, under some conditions, will lie, will be equally as, le- equally as likely to, to lie or use uh, some sort of an unethical tactic. What we found is that the real differences appear when it comes to interpersonal situations, so hence lying to a counterpart in negotiation. Um, and what, what, what influences the the difference is the presence of cues. So if there are no cues present uh, or no cues that are really pushing the parties to go one way or the other, what I mean by cues is something that would instigate them or induce negotiators to engage in a more competitive way or a more empathic way towards their partners, their counterparts. Um, if there are those cues are absent, then men will be more likely to lie. However, this is where the second more recent paper comes in, we're able to find and show repeatedly that when you introduce a cue that says that calls for more competitiveness or induces more competitiveness, then the differences disappear. That women become just as likely as men, if not more likely in some cases, uh, than men to lie to their counterparts. And conversely, if we introduce we introduce a cue that that induces negotiators to feel empathy towards their counterpart or highlights that they have for them empathy towards their counterpart, then the the exact opposite pattern happens and men become reduced their likelihood of lying to that level that's more normal of women. Hmm. All right. Let's take a step back for a minute um, just to help our, our listeners and myself as well. What is an example of an ethical negotiation tactic and what is an unethical tactic? And uh, yeah, so what are some examples of each? Sure. Okay. So this uh, there's a couple parts to this answer because uh, there could be debates about and there are debates 
frequently among philosophers and theologians about what is and what is not ethical. In the uh, among the behavioral eth- um, you know, moral behaviorists or the people like us that study ethical decision making, the conclusion um, or the consensus has come down to what we call um, hypernorms. That there's there's general standards that seem to be universal or at least global of what is considered acceptable as far as dealing with other people. And we can, so um, my co-author, Lee Thompson, in her textbook, The Mind and Heart of the Negotiator, has a good uh, bit on this topic and says, you know, the, the two tests that most of us, if we really thought about it, use or would use to test whether we think we're being ethical or not or somebody is treating us ethically or not is one, uh, the golden rule test is dual. Would we accept that treatment to us um, that we're giving to other people? So as our, if I want to make, if I'm really challenging my own behavior, would I accept somebody doing to me what I'm doing in this negotiation? Um, and the other one that hasn't been, the golden rule test is known very well. The other one I like even more, I think it has a lot of potential to be used. It needs to be tested is called the front page test is if you were to, if, if what that party was doing was made front page news, how would they feel about, would they feel comfortable with that? And if they would feel discomfort, that discomfort tells them that, Hey, this is not, I actually don't believe my own behavior is comfortable. Is it ethical rather? Um, So the examples you asked for examples, and there's plenty, um, the, the, uh, you're in Colorado. That's I spent my freshman year at the Air Force Academy, and uh, the, the honor code there says we will not lie, steal, lie, cheat, nor steal, nor tolerate among us anyone who does. So lying, cheating, and stealing are among those universals, uh, universally understood unethical behaviors, though still common in many contexts. Um, then there's a range of behaviors. Other examples. Uh, uh, Roy Lewicki and his colleagues published a number of papers on what's called the SIN scale, the self-reported inappropriate negotiation strategy scale. And they list out various behaviors, including different forms of misrepresentation uh, and deception or bluff, such as bluffing or even misleading counterparts directly. Um, there's quite a few examples there. I could pull that up and we could talk about those more specifically if you'd like. I yeah, that, just, I think a couple would be great for our listeners. I'm also familiar with the scale, but I'd like to hear what you have to say. So they derived essentially 18 items that were very, because they're very reliable. Um, and they broke it down into five general categories that would, would come up. All right. So, uh, well, here's their, their final scale. Um, and then, I, this, is a, this is a huge one. One, I'm sure all of us have experienced, and I'm, I'm willing to bet a number of people uh, that are listening to this podcast uh, have observed, if they have not engaged in, on it, even albeit unintentionally, I would hope, is sometimes making promises that we cannot deliver on. That's really um, a big one. But that's not one that we tested. Then the one we did test is uh, intentionally misrepresenting information to an opponent in order to strengthen your negotiating arguments or position. Right, that is ex- explicitly what we tested in our case. 
uh, at least in most of our studies. We did just do the broader sin scale in one of them. Um, there are more aggressive things like trying to undermine counterparts by going working through their networks, trying to get them remove their position. Um, so that that's you know that really crosses clear ethical boundaries. Um, now here's one that people might disagree about. Uh, you know, g- giving off the impression that you are in absolutely no hurry to come to a negotiated agreement um, to try to put the time pressure on the other side. So is that ethical or unethical? I, I can imagine people um, arguing for and against that. Um, would you like- plus, an orientation towards time is probably also cultural. And so sure. whether it's ethical or unethical would sort of depend. Of course. And, and that's that, that. Those are things like that. Another in uh, the research we uh, cite that we in, in building our papers, uh, there's one paper, I think, by Cray and Hasselhoon that get into this one, if I remember correctly, the 2012 paper. Um, may, if the, the, the scenario is that there's an older couple selling a house and they they want the buyer to commit to not to tear the house down. To, to maintain it and rehabilitate the house. And so I've had some interesting debates with colleagues. I'll, I'll leave it unknown where I stand on this uh, of whether, um, you know, this by giving the impression the buyer, is it, is it unethical for the buyer to allow the seller, I'm choosing my wording very carefully here, uh, allow the seller to believe that they're going to honor that request. Uh, is it unethical when they when they have no intentions of doing so? Is that unethical? Um, so clearly some people in this space believe it is. And I know for certain there are others who do not uh, believe that's an unethical violation. They would argue that it's an illegitimate request. If you want to determine what happens with the house, then as they would say, then you need to keep the house. <laughs> so I've seen that happen on some of the real estate shows that you can see on cable TV on the different networks that have real estate shows. This has happened a few times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know if it's staged for the camera or if it's actually a thing. And it always looks very stressful to watch. Right. (laughs) I've yet to be involved uh, in a transaction like that. But I would say if you really care what happens to the house in the future, you should just continue owning it. (laughs) Or donate it to a, a historical society or something like that. Thank you to our guest today for an engaging conversation. For more information about this episode, we hope you will check out the podcast notes on the NAC website at www.negotiationandconflictteam.com. And that's one word, negotiationandconflictteam.com. There you can find additional sources and links to materials cited in this episode. A special thanks goes out to Dr. Chi Wang, Editor-in-Chief of the journal Negotiation and Conflict Management Research, or NCMR for short, for her support and assistance with this podcast. On behalf of our podcast team, Ming Hong Sai, Laura Reese, Jennifer Parlamis, Michael Gross, that's me, and Deborah Sai, thank you for listening. Please tell a friend about our podcast. We hope you will join us next time for another fascinating discussion that brings NCMR from article to audio.